Hello, and welcome to Zig When They Zag, a podcast for business leaders obsessed with growth. In this episode from July 2020, co-hosts Kevin Ring and I talk about some of the common marketing myths that we have to bust all the time when we're talking to new clients. Things like why not everyone is your customer, why you don't need marketing to grow, and that marketing needs to work quickly. Let's see if we can untwist some of your preconceptions about marketing. Enjoy! talk about myths so there is a, and the list is probably infinite we have a pretty long list to start with but there are a lot of things that our clients say when they call us or in those first few conversations that we are having the same conversation to kind of backtrack and kind of undo their belief system a little bit so we can get them going on the right path mm-hmm. and with marketing it is um, I've heard clients call it black magic. <laughs> I've heard them call it, uh, you know, like this mysterious creative thing they don't understand, or they think it's completely analytics driven and, you know, there's no art to it. So they're all over the map coming in when uh, they first engage us on what they believe marketing to be and how it works. And so you've created this really great list. I think we're going to try to get through like, four or five of them today. Um, and then we'll probably have to come back and, and do another recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's jump in. This is, okay. so let me start with this one. This one is one of my favorites. Uh, we always start every uh, conversation when we're trying to get a no client and it's like, tell us about yourself. What do you do? Who's your customer? And mm-hmm. so many people don't know what to do with that question. That's right. Everyone's my customer. Who are you trying to reach? Everyone. Right. Jessica, what do you say if someone says everyone is my customer? I say, well, that's a very expensive marketing plan. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's right. I mean, that going back to the previous episode, I mean, the bigger your company is, the more you can mass market to everybody and just assume you yeah. can turn everybody into a Coca-Cola drinker. But the yeah. truth is you've got one or two ideal customers and they are types, really not just, not just, yeah. not just companies like right. customer types, personas, right? You can, we can create a, a map of what that person is looking for and what their likes are and, and find more of them. Right. Yeah. And uh, so the myth that everyone's your customer Let's not do that. You probably can't afford to make everybody your customer. Yeah. And I would say the other thing that I say is, is no, nor would you want to, you know, mm-hmm. when, when we talk about ideal customer, the question I always ask is think about your current customers. Who would you want to work with? If you had to have 10 of those people, who would it be? And everybody knows who that is, right? right. It's enjoyable. It's profitable. It's easy. It aligns very well with the things that we've talked about that they value. They value you. They understand your value. They communicate it to other people. They lead to goodwill. Leads. It's it's creating brand equity for you. Their effort and your effort is minimized, right? Like mm-hmm. there are so many clients who aren't ideal because they're looking for something that just isn't what we do. And every time we say yes to that, we're saying no to a client that we actually are in a position, a better position to help. So not only is it an expensive uh, marketing strategy to say everyone is your client, you're actually throttling your growth 
um, because you are wasting so much effort and causing so much, just over having to overcome so much friction because you don't understand who's going to receive the most value mm-hmm. based on how you operate. So yeah, it reminds me of um, organizations that have been really successful with just pure cold calling. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of method for that list. They just have a list. And I think that is the most expensive, untargeted way to try to gain a customer. And when you gain one, is it the right customer or are you exhausted by the experience of servicing that customer, right? Yeah. Um, So with marketing, you're able to kind of create the ecosystem that appeals to the customer that you want and attract them in and then they're easier to work with. You've spent less money acquiring them and you're going to make them happy and they're going to refer more business to you. Yeah. It's a, it's a shotgun approach versus a rifle approach, right? That's right. Yeah. We, we live in Texas, so y'all <laughs> out of staters. Yeah. Guns, Texas. Yeah. Yeehaw. Um, all right. This is another Number one of my two. favorites. Yeah. yeah. It's um, what, what do they, what do they value? Or do you understand your customer's value? Mm -hmm. Uh, And this really comes up, I think, when we're trying to help articulate value. Because one of the first things that we run up against is people are like, well, I know what my customers want. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, if you know what your customers want, then why are you here? You're clearly tripping up on some aspect of translating that into content, messaging, Mm-hmm. brand, visual identity, all the things that support those interactions that allow your customer to see, oh, I know who I am and that this is for me. And then they can get me to a better future. They can solve the, the not just the job that I need done, but they actually understand the goal that I have. Right. Yeah. And so, so many people think, oh, and the haircut example is, is yeah. I think the best one. Like I cut hair. My clients want a haircut. I think about kid haircuts, right? Right. The value of a person who can cut a kid's hair is not the haircut. Mm-mm. The kid is not. The kid's head doesn't matter, right? Right. It's the parent and their perception and the experience. They're worried about their kid not sitting still. It's the first haircut, so it's a memorable experience, right? They want their kid to not look hideous, not, you know, they need <laughs> you to fix the the challenge that they have right now, which is the kid was left unsupervised, found a pair of scissors and cut sisters, <laughs> right? Um, that's never happened in my family, but anyway, <laughs> it's not the haircut. Your customers don't want the haircut. They want their child to look better. They want to feel confident. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about. Oh, the, so, the child yeah. haircut example is so good because uh, when you take your kid for the first haircut at a normal haircut place that doesn't really understand what the parents are looking for, they don't do anything special for that first haircut. But you go to a place that understands parents and their needs, they like will give you a gift certificate or like a certificate for the first mm-hmm. haircut, a bag, a little clip of your baby's hair to keep. I mean, they, photo, yeah. yeah, I mean, that is the difference, right? Is the value there. It's not the haircut. Love it. Love it. All right. What do you think about this one? 
we don't do marketing. Uh, we've done great with growing. We don't need marketing. Right. And I say, what do you say to that? I say, again, sounds like you've been going about it the most expensive way (laughs) or you've been doing it the slowest way. Right. I think, uh, one of the things that I think people forget is in, uh, I'll tell you my MBA story, which resulted in me not getting an MBA. <laughs> but uh, only only in, nine episodes, and you yeah. were talking about how I didn't get an MBA. You didn't get an MBA. Um, before I had this company, I worked at a corporate, big corporation, and they had a, a graduate school reimbursement program, and I really wanted to take advantage of it. So I thought I might go back to school and get my MBA. And then I looked at the curriculum for MBAs, uh, just the general one and the, like the executive MBA. And it was basically half financial accounting classes and the other half was marketing. Those two, those most, most of your MBA programs dedicated to understanding money and understanding marketing. Yeah. When businesses, uh, grow and they don't do one of these things and they're growing, it means that they must be doing something really well with the financial side of it. And they figured some stuff out there and that's working and their growth, uh, could be propelled, you know, infinitely if they would just do the other half of the thing that they teach all MBAs to do, which is understanding your market and marketing yeah. products to them. Right. So, uh, the reason why I didn't get my MBA is because of the financial uh, classes. <laughs> they sounded really boring. And I was like, I can't just get like a marketing MBA. That doesn't exist. <laughs> and then it turns out you'll learn all the financial stuff owning a business oh, yeah. over yeah. a decade. But you start going, oh, I understand why so much of it is money-based. Yeah, that's a, that's a crash course for sure. Yeah. But I think, uh, what, you know, we have clients that have just relied heavily on salespeople, yeah. you know, for many, many, many years. And they don't understand, like, they could shorten their sales cycle. They could actually acquire leads through marketing that they don't have to pay a person to go find. Yeah. Yeah. So tell the, me more the, about what the, fr- the phrase I use all the time is highly quali- pre-qualified warm lead. Because... Yeah everybody gets that, right? Yeah. Like we're in the, the business of building out systems to do all of that work that mm-hmm. an individual can do, but an individual can only do is to a certain scale. And you're right, it takes forever um, mm-hmm. to nurture those leads. And I mean, that's why salespeople are effective because they have the tenacity, they have the communication skills, right? But mm-hmm. like, Let's augment that. Let's yeah. let's make it scalable. Um, I think of two things also with this one. Uh, one is um, we might have a client that says a, a marketing lead. What it, like that would be amazing, but we've never had that before. <laughs> or we get so few of them. It's not something that I want to put money into. Yeah. And I think, do you have competitors in the same space that you think are probably getting marketing leads? Because if they are then you should be too. And then the other thing I think about is when we, on the rare occasion where we have a very niche service-based business, mm-hmm. say, well, you know, no one in my, in my space markets, like they don't really do much. It's all very word of mouth, very hush hush. I think that 
why do you want to be the one that's doing it that way? Like go big, <laughs> like yeah. let people know who you are, Yeah, make a name for yourself. So I don't think there's a good excuse to not do marketing, honestly. No, I think it's great. I think uh, we're working with an uh, individual right now who is, uh, even we have a hard time classifying what their organization does, but they help fashion brands source all of the steps for producing new lines. Mm -hmm. And it's a, a, an amazing service that they provide. And yeah. their market is so young, so un, undeveloped in this area that a lot of what they have to do is, is educate, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can create a value for a customer, but the customer doesn't understand it because they've never mm -hmm. experienced it, you're doing something innovative, like that's why you need marketing. You need to right. educate the customer. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, I... Did not know, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Think about the first good mattress, assuming you're, you know, that I adult sleep and you've on a mattress. You sleep, yeah. <laughs> the first time you ever slept on a good mattress, mm -hmm. like you go to a hotel and you sleep on that mattress and you're like, I didn't know that this was a thing. Yeah. That's what, that's what happens all the time. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it is crazy. Um, I want to talk about maybe one more in this. Yeah if you can handle it, it's the, and that's what the first one reminds, the last one we just talked about reminds me of is, yeah. I don't need marketing because I answer RFPs, which we yeah. have a lot of clients that do government work or they do uh, work with enterprise scale businesses that are always yep. going to go through like a procurement process. Yep. Let's talk about that one a little bit. Yeah. That one's, I think it makes sense, right? You're like, they're telling me exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. And all I have to do is show them that I can do it and be at a low cost. Why do I need marketing? Yeah. What do you say to that? Well, I say that it's the same thing. The decision is easier if there's a relationship with the brand established at some point. So yeah. whether that's through word of mouth or online marketing, or I met them at a trade show and they seem like a good company they're going to pay attention to your RFP and give it more thought than they would someone they've never heard of before. It's yeah. all about the reputation and that reputation can be curated through marketing and content marketing and events and speaking, you know, all the things that go into it. Um, you know, we have a client that does just uh, technology work for state agencies. They didn't have to do any marketing before, at least they thought. Yeah that they have an ambitious growth goal and they're like answering RFPs and our close rate being, you know, one out of 10 isn't going to get us there. Yep. Like if we're going to spend the time to do these RFPs, we need to, I love, he says, land and expand. Like we need to get there and build the relationship. We need to keep marketing to those people over time so we can start closing more RFPs and get more business yeah. from people who we're doing work with already. Yeah. They've just, they're, they're flourishing. They're doing so yeah. well now, but it takes great. They were <laughs> to get yeah. there. Right? <laughs> they, yeah. they, we were talking about this the other day. They are at a point where they'll do a, a, a job with an agency and then they'll talk to that agency about what the next need is. Yeah. Right. That's the expand. And so they're shaping the RFP because right. they've established that relationship. 
through marketing. They've created that mm-hmm. awareness. And I think the other thing is RFPs are boring. Like right. no one wants to read that garbage. No. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of information. And so mm-hmm. one of the things I love is we uh, work with a lot of boring industries. Mm-hmm. Um, like nothing personal, but it really is like the reason why people pay contract lawyers is because no one wants to read a contract, right? That's right. And so that's a really thriving industry because these are people who are skilled with the attention to detail and their knowledge of contract law to create that value. Well, if you're evaluating law firms of people who are going to read boring contracts, like it, it's just my eyes would roll over in the back of their head, like in the back yeah. of their head, like it just glosses over. And the ability to just stand out, to have a cohesive uh, like brand identity uh, mm-hmm. visually, through content, through messaging, through layout, like all of the things that are really engaging about the materials, whether that's digitally or physical artifacts, mm-hmm. um, is, is really, it, it's a real competitive advantage. We've heard multiple times from clients, like just by sprucing up their proposals yeah. has made that process so much more effective Better. because people read it, right? Yeah. They look at it and it stands out. And that's, uh, there's just so much missed opportunity to mm-hmm. get ahead, even yeah. if you're having to go through these really regimented uh, processes that you have to do. Yeah. So, And I think here, and this is a little, this is a, a trick to the game, so to speak, but um, one of the podcasts that I like to listen to um, is a podcast called Two Bobs. Mm-hmm. And Blair Ends is a, is a sales consultant for creative entrepreneurs and he's one of the hosts and he talks about the procurement process and he understands that agencies have to go through this if they're going to do government work or if they're going to work with enterprise large clients all the stuff there's always going to be a process with an RFP probably yeah the real key to winning some of these big jobs is to be able to break the rules a little bit with the person who's purchasing and have a conversation with them so you can tailor your RFP a little bit better. And it, you know, having enough reputation and pull and having maybe somebody on the purchasing end have a desire to work with you to begin with might let you have that conversation with them. That'll make your RFP more successful. If they've never heard of you and you're going in blind and you're just going to answer this, you know, and with no conversation, you're going to be less successful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and you're like making their, the barriers a little bit with it, right? Right. Like yeah. the RFP is a service that does a job. It helps them evaluate, you know, who the right service provider is. Mm-hmm. But there's other jobs within that, right? They have to read it. They have to field all the questions. And so if you are yeah. thinking beyond just the document yeah. about the person, about the consumer, about the user, like strategically, there's so much opportunity that you're just leaving that on the table. You're just walking away from simple yeah. things that you can do. Yeah, RFPs yeah. are a great one. And I think a real opportunity for a competitive advantage and therefore a real opportunity for growth. And we've seen that through clients. Yeah, with, yeah sure. So, Gosh, we have a lot more myths to get through. And I'm worried that if we tackle one more, this will be a super long 
podcast. So I think what we need to do is come back and talk about the rest of them next time. How's that? Yes. Or maybe (laughs) what we could do is we could do this as like a special. And so every once in a while, like a seasonal thing where you just, you know, like episodic television where they're like, and now they're doing the myth special. Yeah. We have like some hard copy style titles on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That would be awesome. And then we could do like the Christmas edition where we dress up in Christmas. No? Okay. No, I'm down. We'll we'll workshop some ideas. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) That sounds good. All right. right. Well, go go get them. (laughs) No, go get you some. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) That was the phrase that we decided. Yeah, it really stuck with me. Yeah, I was working. (laughs) We'll Mm. keep working on that one too, I guess. Hashtag go get you some, guys. All right. (laughs) Talk to you all soon. Bye. All right. Bye. whole thing every time you decide to go spend thousands of dollars sponsoring something (laughs) what are you going to do with those leads and then how do you make sure it was worth it right yeah not understanding the value of marketing in terms of the whole so that when they go down their process of evaluating researching deciding you are walking in line with them every step of the way so now you're going to continue to build that brand equity by delighting oh, them marketing. I, yeah. you know, I advertise on Google or I do SEO. It makes That's me feel like we should maybe, I don't know, talk about it. Well, you want to talk about it? Hold them back yeah, from really building brand equity and seems like a good idea. I'm a little worried we didn't give Neil a clear starting point for this blogcast. <laughs> That's all right. I'm recording, so. He'll just pick one. I'm not your target market, so you're fine. Okay. Thanks for listening. Check us out on our website at hotdogmarketing.net slash zigzag. You'll find more information and you can watch the video series there. You can tweet me anytime at Jessica underscore markets. Rate us and find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again.